Welcome everyone, this is episode 16 of Grace Touch. We're continuing on the marriage series and today we're going to talk about Abigail's um, story. Abigail is a woman in the Old Testament who was married to a man called Nabal and he's a man who once went up against King David. So the title um, of the chapter we are going to read today is to fight God's battles. I'm reading um, 1 Samuel chapter 25, verses 1-42. And I am reading from the Message um, Bible. So that's the name of that particular translation. So let's read the Word of God. So this is um, Natalie, your host, and I am with. Hi everyone, Coco as always. Very nice to be with you here today again. So let's read the word. First Samuel chapter 25 verses 1 to 42. Samuel died. The whole country came to his funeral. Everyone grieved over his death and he was buried in his hometown, hometown of Ramah. Meanwhile, David moved again, this time to the wilderness of Mount. I'm pausing here quickly to mention that Samuel was um, the prophet who had anointed Saul as king, the first king of Israel, and then anointed David as the second king of Israel. Reading first, um, verse 2. <clears throat> there was a man in Mount who carried on his business in the region of Carmel. He was very prosperous. 3,000 sheep, 3,000 sheep and a thousand goats, and it was sheep shearing time in Carmel. The man's name was Nabal, which means fool, a Calebite, and his wife's name was Abigail. The woman was intelligent and good-looking. The man brutish and mean. David, out of the back country, heard that Nabal was shearing his sheep and sent. Ten of his young men off with these instructions. Go to Carmel and approach Nabal. Greet him in my name. Peace, life and peace to you. Peace to your household, peace to everyone here. I heard that it's sheep shearing time. Here's the point. When your shepherds were camped near us, we didn't take advantage of them. They didn't lose a thing all the time they were with us in Carmel. Ask your young men, they'll tell you what I'm They'll tell you all the things. No, ask your young men. They'll tell you. What I'm asking is that you be generous with my men. Share the feast. Give whatever your heart tells you to your servants and to me, David, your son. David's young men went and delivered his message, word for word, to Nabal. Nabal tore into them. Who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? The country is full of runaway servants these days. 
Do you think I'm going to take good bread and wine and meat freshly butchered from my shape shearers and give it to men I've never laid eyes on? Who knows where they've come from? David's men go out of there and went back and told David what he had said. David said, strap on your swords. They all strap on their swords, David and his men, and set out four hundreds of them. Two hundred stayed behind to guard the camp. Meanwhile, one of the young shepherds told Abigail, Nabal's wife, what had happened. David sent messengers from the back country to salute our master, but he tore into them with insults. Yet, these men treated us very well. They took nothing from us and didn't take advantage of us all the time we were in the fields. They formed a wall around us, protecting us day and night all the time we were out tending the sheep. Do something quickly because big trouble is ahead of our master and all of us. Nobody can talk to him. He's impossible, a real brute. Abigail flew into action. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five sheep dressed out and ready for cooking, a bushel of roasted grain, a hundred raisin cakes and two hundred fig cakes, and she had it all loaded on some donkeys. Then she said to her young servants, go ahead and pave the way for me. I'm right behind you. But she said nothing to her husband Nabal. As she was riding her donkey, descending into a ravine, David and his men were descending from the other end, so they met there on the road. David had just said, that sure was a waste, guarding everything this man had out in the wild so that nothing he had was lost. And now he rewards us, he rewards me with insults. A real slap in the face. May God do his worst to me if Nabal and every cur in his misbegotten brood is in dead meat by morning. As soon as Abigail saw David, she got off her donkey and fell on her knees at his feet, her face to the ground in homage and saying, My master, let me take the blame. Let me speak to you. Listen to what I have to say. Don't dwell on what that brute Nabal did. He acts out the meaning of his name, Nabal, fool. Foolishness oozes from him. I wasn't there when the young men my master sent arrived. I didn't see them. And now, my master, as God lives and as you live, God has kept you from this avenging murder. And may your enemies, all who seek my master's harm, end up like Nabal. Now, take this gift that I, your servant girl, have brought to my master and give it to the young men who follow in the steps of my master. Forgive my presumption, but God is at work in my master developing a rule solid and dependable. My master fights God's battles. As long as you live, no evil will seek to you. If anyone stands in your way, if anyone tries to get you out of the way, know this, your God-honored life is tightly bound in the bundle of God-protected life. But the lives of your enemies will be hurled aside as a stone is thrown from a sling. Verse 30. When God completes all the goodness he has promised my master and sets you up as prince over Israel, my master will not have this dead weight on his heart, the guilt of an avenging murder. And when God has worked things for good for my master, 
remember me. And David said, Blessed be God, the God of Israel. He sent you to meet me, and blessed be your good sons. Bless you for keeping me from murder and taking charge of looking out for me. A close call. As God leaves, the God of Israel who kept me from hurting you, if you had not come as quickly as you did, stopping me in my tracks, by morning there would have been nothing left of Nabal but dead meat. Then David accepted the gift she brought him and said, Return home in peace. I've heard what you've said and I'll do what you've asked. When Abigail got home, she found Nabal presiding over a huge banquet. He was in high spirits and very, very drunk. So she didn't tell him anything of what she'd done until morning. But in the morning, after Nabal had sobered up, she told him the whole story. Right then and there, he had a heart attack and fell into a coma. About ten days later, God finished him off, and he died. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be God who has stood up for me against Nabal's insults, kept me from an evil act, and let Nabal's evil boomerang back on him. Then David sent for Abigail to tell her that he wanted her to he for his wife. David's servants went to Abigail at Carmel with the message, David sent us to bring you to marry him. Verse 41, she got up and then bowed down, face to the ground, saying, I'm your servant, ready to do anything you want. I'll even wash the feet of my master's servants. And verse 42, Abigail didn't linger. She got on her donkey and, with her five maids in attendance, went with the messengers to David and became his wife. So we just read the story of Abigail. Um, Coco, is there anything you'd like to comment on what we just read? Yes, thanks, Natalie. It's an interesting story. Uh, I know quite a bit about Abigail, but we'll get to that later. But what I find uh, stood out for me again, well, this time, I'm referring to the fact that you can read uh, a Bible passage several times and it speaks to you differently every time. And what stood out to me, two things really stood out to me this time. Uh, the fact that she is intelligent, but or should I say and, because intelligence and humility are not mutually exclusive. May I repeat that? Intelligence and humility are not mutually, mutually exclusive. So she is intelligent and very, very humble. The Bible says not only is she beautiful, but she's intelligent. And she still humbles herself in front of David, talking about washing not his feet, but his servant's feet. That's quite spectacular, actually. Uh, for me, that is a, a reference to Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, washing the feet of his disciples. So there's something there of the humility of Christ, uh, which is really touching. The second thing is that she references the stone and the sling, which is what David will use to kill Goliath, or rather has used to kill Goliath in the past. She's referencing what he did because he's already king, right? At this stage, if I'm not mistaken. So he has 
um, used his tune and his sling. The story is known in the whole of Israel, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and she, when she meets him, she has all these positive, affirming statements about him. Uh, you are this, this, this will happen to you, this will never happen to you. It's all very positive. So she creates an atmosphere around her of faith, of positivity, and from a place of humility. She speaks the truth uh, of what has been done and what God will do. So basically she blesses David. Um, I, I find that very interesting and in high contrast to her husband who knew the language of violence and the language of domination and not really humility. And uh, yeah, that I, I think I'll reserve the rest of my comments for later. But thank you. This is what I would like to say at this time. Where, and I will just conclude with the fact that because we're talking about marriage, I think humility and wisdom are extremely important for any marriage to succeed. So, yeah. So, yeah, that, that was my comment on that passage. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your thoughts on that. Um, I share the same um, thoughts that you you just um, mentioned. Her, her humility is really um, something that also stood out for me in various ways. So, of course, there is her humility before God because it seems to me that in all that she's doing, she's seeking first to honor God. She believes in God. She fears him. And we mentioned that in past um, in a past episode, when we talk about the fear of God, we're not merely talking about being afraid of God. We're talking about the highest respect you can have um, for someone, the fear of um, stepping out of bound, you know, just that very strong desire to honor um, a person and in this case to honor God. And I really see that in her um, and then how that, relationship she has with God transpires in her interaction with every single person from her husband to King David to even her servants and to David's servants. So her humility also shows in the love and her faithfulness until the very end toward her husband, regardless of how impossible to deal with he is um, I see how she is she cares for her household and she cares for the lives of the people she's responsible for meaning the servants of her husband and her servants she doesn't want harm to come to the house because of his actions and I'm reminded of first Corinthians uh, chapter 13 which we read again in the past episode and that particular verse that says that love covers mistakes. And here it seems to me that she's covering her husband's mistake. And again, not just for the sake of covering his mistakes, but because other lives are at stakes, um, at stake, sorry, as well. Um, she has a quality also that I am very impressed with. That is her meekness. Um, and that goes hand to hand with humility once again. She didn't do any wrong, but she takes it upon herself to correct a wrong that was done. She um, took initiative. She was full of wisdom because 
she didn't talk to her husband right away. I don't think it's because she deliberately wanted to hide forever what she was up to to her husband. But I think is she was thinking of the higher good of the big picture, and she recognized that it wasn't time just yet to talk to him. Maybe he would have stopped her. Um, who knows what would have happened? But she wisely decided, this is what I'm going to do. And I don't intend to keep this from him forever, but now is not the time. And I honestly also sincerely believe that she was working on this hand in hand um, with the Holy Spirit under the direction of um, of God there. That the reason she had um, really also did come from, from God directly. I'm seeing her humility again. Um, in the way she addressed David, as um, Coco mentioned, but also just in the way she went to him and even how she prepared the terrain of David's heart. She didn't just abruptly showed, showed up in front of him. She first brought in the gifts, really announcing, I'm coming in peace, I'm, I'm seeking peace here. And also she went to him riding a donkey and not just the first time she talked to him, but also the second time when he proposed to her. And again, this is a show of humility. We need to remember that Nabal was a rich man, which means he had horses. Madav had stallions. And uh, so for her to choose a donkey, which again, let's remember that Jesus... Um, when he went to Jerusalem before, you know, right around Easter time, he was riding a donkey as well. And that's another, again, the sign of humility. So I don't think it's a coincidence. And I think that it's, um, it's just her heart, um, I think, is an encouragement for us Christian women to learn from and at some point to emulate in our own work with Christ. Koke, is there anything you'd like to add at this point? Yeah, thank you for that commentary and the reference to the donkey. It's uh, even more interesting that uh, we're leading on to Palm Sunday, which is uh, um, the very time, a commemoration of the time when Jesus entered Jerusalem, uh, riding on a donkey. Uh, yeah, I agree with um, what you say. Um, there's something else that stood out for me in this. Is that Abigail understands and epitomizes true submission. So, for those who have may not have listened to one of our uh, episodes about submission, um, it is far more than um, what is often taught about it. Uh, first of all, there's a call for both men and women to submit to each other. There's a call for Christians to submit to each other. And it comes from a Hebrew word that means to lift up. Okay? Uh, that is evident in our submission to God. We submit to God. And how does that manifest? Yes, we obey him. He's God. He's perfect. Most husbands aren't. <laughs> Just a side note. But God is perfect. So we submit to him in that we worship him. We lift up his name. We honor him. Okay, so she understands submission. How? Even though the world, and particularly the Christian world, might sometimes, so I'm not uh, putting this on every church on earth, but there are quite a few Christian groups that will 
highlights submission as blind obedience, basically. Okay, which would sort of uh, mean the wife is to behave like a robot who will do what the husband wants, regardless of consequences. And again, this is not a judgment, but it's important to speak the truth here. Why do I say Abigail understands and epitomizes true submission? Because she discerns when her husband's decision is wrong and actively and purposely and intentionally decides to do the opposite of what he would have her do. That is an understanding of true submission. It is an understanding first that God's will is superior to the will of any other human being, including husbands. Secondly, it is an understanding of the covering that her husband has failed to provide in this situation, which is for the blessing of everyone. Uh, I'm, re I'm referring here to the Bible verse that says that husbands are to love their wives like Christ loves the church, sacrificing themselves for her, etc., etc. So where Nabal has failed in that covering, providing that covering, she loves Nabal like Christ loves the church. Sanctifying Nabal by choosing to act in a holy way and not follow his evil ways. Because she steps out, which also means that she knows who she is. There's a strong backbone and a strong identity here in Abigail, which means she prevents massacre on both sides. Yeah, Because the backdrop to this, uh, the version of the Bible that you read, Natalie, was quite colorful and interesting. Thanks for that. It was a good read. But just to make sure everybody got it, because it's not a standard uh, version, for months, the, here's the story, for months, David and his men had protected Nabal's property, livestock, and workers from looters free of charge and thanks to, to, to that protection that David offered now free of charge he was able to increase his business profits substantially David really blessed him but when the time came from Nabal to show kindness to David who just ran out uh, uh, short of supplies and turned to Nabal for help all they wanted was a bit of food and drink to tide the men over not only did Nabal decline but he also said a few really offensive things to David now those who know the Bible and who know David know that David is a man of war. He is a man of war. He was a man of war. I say he is because he's in the cloud of witnesses. You know, Christians don't die ever. We live eternally. After we die, we come back to life. So David is in the cloud of witnesses. He is a man of war. So what happened was, uh, an evidence of that is that when it came time to construct God's temple, God said David couldn't do it because of the blood on his hands, because he'd, he'd won all these battles for Israel. So it was his son Solomon who built the temple. That's why I'm saying he's a man of war. So in, uh, uh, um, he hears this attack. He feels insulted and immediately instructs his followers to take up their swords. Abigail knew David was the one of whom they said Saul killed his thousand, I think, and David killed his ten thousand. Abigail knew. She knew what David's reaction would be. So what does she do? She moves fast. She risks her life. She intercepts David and his men. She offers a lot of food. In that, she reminds me of e, uh, Jacob uh, sending donkeys and donkeys of food and, and, um, and presents to calm his brother Esau because he'd fooled him. She's, basically, it's a peace offering. It's a peace offering. And David calms down. And not only does he calm down, but he recognizes that she stopped him from doing something that would have been full of evil consequences. 
the Bible says the blood cries out. If he had shed the blood of Nabal and had him killed, he probably would have had not only Nabal killed, but everybody in his household. That would have then warranted vengeance. And then it's a never-ending story. So David recognized Abigail's wisdom and how it helped him avoid a really, really bad situation. And the Bible says Nabal was a, a brutish man, etc. But even him, retrospectively, he understood that, that what kind of disaster had just been averted narrowly to the point where he had a heart attack and died. So Abigail protected both men. She offered the covering that her husband failed to offer. She shielded Nabal directly from the consequences of his choices and indirectly shielded David from the consequences of his spontaneous initial reaction. And um, it turns out that afterwards, from that point onward, I believe David spotted in her the makings of a queen and would then offer to marry her as soon as her husband passed away. Um, I know maybe for the post-postmodern women listening uh, to this podcast, um, getting married to David was probably not the, <laughs> they don't see that as the aim of Abigail's life. But we're talking about um, ancient Jewish society where it was really important uh, to be married <laughs> for women. Uh, and uh, this was quite a step up uh, for, for Abigail from Nabal to David, you know. I mean, he wasn't perfect, but he was nothing like Nabal. So we see how, because she acted as the perfect paraclete, which is a synonym for helper, uh, the helper in Genesis 2.18, where the Bible says God made a woman as a helper to man. Uh, just this is something we've mentioned before. Paraclete is the same word used um, as an identifier for the Holy Spirit, helper, protector, etc. Because she did that, not only did she prevent bloodshed, uh, she protected her husband and uh, the king. She protected the, the whole land of Israel because the shedding of the blood always, always has a consequence on the land. She used the initiative and she lifted up her husband. So that is my, my, uh, my commentary on that. And uh, that's my link uh, with marriage is that um, I suggest that we need to rethink some of the ways in which we've been taught about marriage in church, not only women, but men. I suggest that if there is one consistent message um, about about um, a very important point like that, it might be worth looking at different translations. If uh, some of our listeners speak several languages, it might be worth looking at the way it's written in several languages, in several Bible Bible versions to understand. And of course, the most important thing, ask Holy Spirit to shed a light shed the divine light on what we're reading. Because I think if we take some of these things at face value without going to the author who inspired everybody, so God himself through his spirit, uh, and asking for his light to help us understand his word, we might fall short in that. We might limit ourselves from benefiting benefiting, sorry, from the full blessing contained in the word of God. This was long and convoluted, but I hope the message comes through. This is really a very, very good lesson in terms of particularly how submission is played out in a godly marriage. And David as a king, finally, for him to listen to this woman, who was the wife of his enemy at that point, you know, uh, that also shows an openness that many of our post-postmodern men could learn from. So that is uh, my commentary on this. Uh, Natalie, over to you. Thanks for listening. Thank you very much, Coco, for your insight on this text. 
I don't have much to add, but to um, say that I, it's, there is something I never really thought of before is um, thinking of Abigail as a little bit of a foreshadowing of Christ in um, in her behavior. So I'm just here again referring from referring to the fact that, like you pointed out, she prevented a bloodshed on both sides. Um, and again, just the way her love covered um, these two men, her love for God covered these two men and prevented them from doing something that would have had long-lasting, bloody consequences. So in that sense, it really speaks to me, um, speaks to me very much also in regards to uh, just Jesus' relationship with women. And and um, the place that women have when it comes to his ministry on earth, the things that he taught us, the way he walked, and and not just from the time he was physically in the flesh on earth, but all the hundred of years that um, foreshadowed his coming. So I'm I'm learning a lot from that, and I'm humbled. I'm very humbled by. Him. A big L story also in that sense. So this is it for me. Um, thank you very much, Coco, for um, everything that you shared. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Um, Coco, do you have any parting words for our listeners? No, not really. Thanks for your uh, final commentary. I'll just say that we should approach all of these things not taking anything at face value, including what we discuss in our podcast. But like the Bereans that uh, the Bible references as always examining scripture themselves to check what people were teaching them, I would encourage our listeners to do that. Don't take anything at face value. Sit at the feet of your, of your Lord and say, my church teaches this, my understanding is this, the podcast says this, so-and-so says that. Father, you inspired this. What do you say? Um, let us question everything, not in a bad way, not in a faithless way, but with with a rigor. That means that we're interested in the truth. Yeah. But other than that, yeah, it was a very interesting passage. Abigail is one of my favorite men in the Bible for 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 all the reasons I've already mentioned. Um, yeah. And again, I would encourage our listeners to please reach out to us. Any comments you may have, any um, questions you may have, any points of disagreement. You know, we're here for you and we could learn a lot from you so we can exchange ideas and thus grow. We hope to hear from you and we pray that you will have a very, very good week uh, and well, it's the end of the week ahead. Till the next podcast. It's goodbye from me. Speak soon. God bless. So thank you all for tuning in, praying for God to bless you and to give you a very good, very, very good week. Until next time, this was episode 16 of Grace Touch, a series on marriage, and we talked about Abigail's story. Talk to you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye.